Thank you for downloading or streaming this message from Emmanuel Church. We are one church with multiple locations, and we believe God wants to bless you right where you are. In a few moments, you're going to hear some practical teaching from God's Word that I believe will be inspiring and relevant to your life. First, though, if you haven't yet experienced Emmanuel Live, we encourage you to go to our website, eclife.org, to check out our service times and locations so that you can experience Emmanuel in person or through our online campus. If this message blesses you and you'd like to support the ministry financially, again, you can go to eclife.org and click on the Giving tab and choose Online Campus at your campus. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope this message will be an encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. Hey. You heard of the greats, OxyClean, ShamWow, Slap Chop, Shake Weight, Brush Buddies, Potty Putter, and Easy Butter. But you haven't heard of this. Mr. Upgrade himself here. Have you ever felt like this when you should really feel like this? Have you ever found yourself settling for this when really you should be digging into something like this? Well, guess what? I got a solution for you. After watching my program, you'll find yourself prettier, funnier, smarter, and more popular. Basically everything that matters and you're not gonna get these results from anybody but me. Trust me, I upgraded myself. Now, sit back and enjoy these very real customer stories. Last year, I wore this terrible wig because of my baldness. Even though I made it stick, this year, I'm choosing to upgrade. I mean, look at me now. You should have seen me before I upgraded. Now, I can't believe I am so popular and, what's that word? Too fast. Order Upgrade now, and I'll not only include the 30-day program, Volumes 1 through 7, but get this, I'm also going to include Upgrade Pet Edition. Your dog's going to love this. Your cat's going to love this. Get the whole fur family involved. Order today while supplies last and you'll receive my entire upgrade program plus the pet edition for only 12 easy payments of $19.95. You're gonna wanna call 1-800-UPGRADE. This is the deal of a lifetime. You're gonna wanna call right now. Well, good morning, Emmanuel. How are you feeling today? What a joy to be with you. Welcome to all of our locations, our Banta campus, our Franklin campus, our Garfield Park campus. If you're watching online right now or at the Theodora House or at the Johnson County Work Release, welcome to all of our locations and everyone here at Greenwood. One more time, welcome and good morning. If you are brand new with us here today at any of our locations watching for the first time online, uh, we are wrapping up a four-week series today called Upgrade, and it's the series we do, sort of a, a similar series like this every year at the beginning of the year. Actually, this time it's the beginning of a new decade. How about that? Uh, we heard about that from Pastor Cody, the power of a decade a few weeks ago. And uh, really, we've been talking about just taking our lives to the next level. An upgrade is basically trading in an old model, getting a new model, improving something in your life. And it's great to talk about that around this time of the year because it's a natural time to set goals and resolutions and try to improve things in our life, whether that's your finances or your relationship with God or your marriage if you're married or your relationship with your parents if you're a student. And so it's a good time to talk about improving things in our lives. And so what we've been doing in this series is looking back 
at the greatest story of an upgrade in the Bible, which is the story of the Israelites leaving Egypt, 400 years of slavery. God sends Moses to deliver them out of the slavery from Egypt and to take them into the promised land, the greatest story of of an upgrade in the Bible. And what we've been trying to do is pull some truths from that story and apply them to our life. Because I do believe that that story in the Bible is a metaphor for our lives. Like Jesus came to give us life, abundant life. The prophet Isaiah said, I have plans for you not to harm you, but to give you a hope and a future. So he wants to take our lives to the next level. He wants what is good and right for us. So we're trying to take some of these principles like extreme clarity. We talked about that in week one. You got to know what the upgrade looks like. We talked about pushing your limits are going past your capacity or what you think your capacity is in week two. So God tells Joshua, be strong and courageous because you're going to have to do things you've never done before. And then last week, we talked about the importance of obedience, doing what God says, like obedience leads to abundance. If you missed any of those talks, you can go back to our YouTube channel and check those out. Emmanuel now has a YouTube channel. So excited about that. Click subscribe, like it. Thank you. Be awesome. (laughs) Shameless plug right there for our YouTube channel. Um, But anyway, so today's week four, last week of the series. We're going to look back into the story. We're going to draw a principle, and then we're going to try to apply it to our lives. Let me start with a story real quick about something that happened to me this week. I was at Starbucks doing a little studying for for this talk, and uh, it was about 5 o'clock, and so I was wrapping up and heading home. And and if if you know the area here, if you're watching from some other part of the country or another, another country altogether, you won't know what I'm talking about. But there's this coffee shop here in town. It's on 135, which is kind of the main strip here in Greenwood. And if, in order for me to get home from, from Starbucks, I have to turn left onto 135, which is a two-lane road. And, uh, and so I'm there waiting for the light. I've got my turn clicker on, signal on. And across the street, there's traffic coming from the, from the other side of the parking lot. There's an Aldi there, so you know what I'm talking about here on 135. There's a Culver's. And so there's a line of traffic, and I'm just waiting patiently. Now, I'll give you a little context about my, my driving background. I took driver's ed in New York City. Um, I learned to drive at 16 years old in New York City, which is a very different experience from driving in Greenwood. And, it, and so in New York, what, what happens is if you hesitate for a second, you're in trouble, okay? You know, anybody driven in New York? Like you get, you get yelled at, you get honked at. Like if you hesitate, as soon as that thing turns, you're going. So that's kind of how I drive. And, and uh, now people in Greenwood here struggle. They hesitate. They stop signs, roundabouts. It's just very confusing to people in Greenwood. Um, so there's a lot of hesitation. So a lot of times I'm, I, I just go because people wait, you know. And now, now when you're turning left onto a two-lane street in New York, the rules are is that you can go. You have the right of way because it's a two-lane street. So if someone's trying to turn right and you're trying to turn left, you both can turn at the same time. Here in Indiana, the rules are all goofed up. It's not the case. You're supposed to give the person turning right the right of way, which I think is wrong. So maybe we can change. If there's anybody here that changes those rules, please change that. Uh, anyway, so, but I knew she had the right of way. And so I'm waiting and she hesitated. Now, it's a two-lane road, so there's plenty of room for me to turn left, for her to turn right, and everybody goes home, and everybody's happy, right? And that's what I thought. So I hit the gas because she hesitates and turn into my lane, and so then, you know, later on, a second or two later, she turns right, and everybody's happy, right? Not so much. She pulls up next to me and drives a little bit faster than a young girl, probably in her early 20s, and as she passes me, doesn't even look at me. I'm looking at her, just like, hey, you know, whatever, and she's like, boop, she gives me the, the number one sign, you know. <laughs> Just, just right, and I, and something triggered inside of me, like, like, I'm, like, you're, like, in your early 20s, I'm now in my early 40s, like, I'm, like, a father figure to you, like, shame, like, 
do you hate potty mouth? Like I was, I was, I had this, this, this feeling of like, Ooh, like, where's the respect here? Like, I'm one of your elders. Like, I, you just don't flip random people off on the road. And even if it's their fault, it was my fault. But that's not the point. You don't flip people off on the road. And so I, I, I literally got a flash of warmth behind my eyeballs. That's what happens. It's like the heat. I was like, my head got hot. And I'm like, so I got angry, you know, and, and I wanted to give her the dad business. Like, man, you don't do that. So I pull up and sure enough, um, we hit the red light at Smith Valley and 135. And I'm, I'm right next to her. I'm looking at her and I'm like, I'm wanting to put the window down and give her the dad talk. Like, do you know what you, what if I was a psycho? I would only, you don't, uh, you do that to people on the road. And by the way, I, was, I didn't do anything wrong. And, and I just wanted to give her the business, you know. And, and right as soon as I get ready to put my finger on the window to come down, I had this thought popped into my mind. It's, it's, it's just, I don't know if it was from God. I don't know where it came from. But it, it, I heard this voice that said, you're probably her pastor. <laughs> and small towns. Everybody knows everybody. Shut up, leave the window up, and just drive. And so, if you were that girl and you're here today, <laughs> don't, don't do that next time. I want to talk to you today. I want to talk to you today about, about your thoughts. I want to talk to you today about the stuff going on between your ears. I believe with all my heart that an upgrade is going to require you and I to think better. We're going to have to have some better thoughts. Thoughts are powerful things. If we look back into the story in Joshua chapter 1, God tells Joshua, he gives him clarity, he tells him to be strong and courageous, he tells him to obey the law. We looked at verse 5, 6, 7, now we're going to look at verse 8. Look what, God, look what God tells Joshua. This book of the law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the first five books of the Bible, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. I want you to talk about it constantly to everybody, to your family, to your children, to your grandchildren. But you shall meditate in it day and night, in the morning, in the evening, in the afternoon, and before you go to bed. I want you to meditate on this book day and night. Why? so that you can be careful to do according to all that is written in it. How can you follow it if you don't know what it says? Right? We talked about obedience last week. Meditate on the scripture, the book, the reveal, the revelation that God has given to Moses so that you can do it. And if you do that, watch what happens. Then you will make your way, everybody say it with me, prosperous. Come on, together. Prosperous. And then you will have, say it together, good success. Prosperity and success. Not in the American version of being rich and famous and being able to buy cars and houses. Not that kind of prosperity and success. What kind of prosperity and success? In crossing the Jordan River and taking the promised land. In the upgrade that I have planned for your life. Now this is not what I would have told Joshua if I were God. You know what I would have told Joshua? Josh, you're entire crew, 1.5 million total, probably half of those are men. They've never fought a battle. They don't know how to use a sword. Make swords, 
make armor, make helmets, make armor for their thighs and for their shins, and train them to fight battles. Because you're going, the the promised land is filled with occupied territory, people that are battle-tested, battle-ready. Some of the cities are fortified with walls. You have got to prepare your army. That's what I would have told Joshua if I were God. God says nothing of the sort. He says, here's what I want you to do. You know how you're going to be prosperous? You know, you, you know how you're going to have good success in taking the promised land? You're going to get your thoughts straightened out. And you're going to do that by meditating. Now, what's interesting about this word meditate, it's, it's, it's an interesting word. It's, it's this Hebrew word, Hagah. Now, if I were a Jewish man, a uh, Hasidic Jewish man, I would say it like this. Hagah. You want to say that with me? It's kind of fun. It's kind of like what you do before you spit. <laughs> you want to do it together? Ready? Let's do it together. Ready? Chaga. I think I just spit on you down front here. Sorry, sorry. Um, and it's, an, it's, it's such a fascinating word because it actually means to, to groan or to growl. I say, what are you talking about? Well, it, the prophet Isaiah used it in Isaiah 31, 5. You can look it up when you get home. He says, as a, as a, as a lion growls over its prey, as a lion meditates over its gazelle that it has just hunted down and now is eating. It's like, if it brings about this image, it looks like this. I know it's kind of gross, so if you don't, if you don't like blood, don't look. But this, when, when, when a lion would catch a zebra or a gazelle, it, it, it's totally and completely enamored, focused, chewing, swallowing, taking the animal in, ingesting it. That's what the word meditate means. How interesting. Okay, you can take this off. I don't want, okay, you did. Good, good. It means to completely take your mind and focus it in on one idea. How different that is from what maybe some of us have come to understand meditation to be because of Eastern religions and that the, the thought about meditation there is, you know, somebody maybe who's, who sits down for 30 minutes a day and kind of crosses their legs and hums. And, and the, the idea is to empty your mind of everything. Like meditation from, from an Eastern philosophy, religious kind of perspective is just like an emptying out of your mind. And biblical meditation is completely different. Biblical meditation, Christian meditation, is actually a filling up of your mind of, of, and focusing in your mind completely on a, on a thought as a, as a lion would focus on its prey and now it's devouring its meal. Some of you still might not understand, or, or maybe you're thinking, well, I've never done that before. Oh, oh, I promise you, you have. I promise you. And here's, here's how I know. Because worry is meditation in the wrong direction. Think about worry. What is worry? Isn't worry when parents, when we worry over our kids or adults, when we worry about finances or we worry about our Husband, where we worry about our spouse, where we worry about life, we worry about our health, we worry about retirement. Isn't it because you are fixing your mind on an idea and you're hanging on to it and you're hanging over it, mulling over the po- what might happen? How are we going to pay for college? How are we going to retire? How is this disease going to go away? And, and all of a sudden, we, all of these, these things like anxiety rise up inside of us. Oh, I promise you, you have meditated before. Worry is the negative form of meditation. What if you could turn that around and completely focus in your mind on God's truth, on God's commands, on God's character? 
That's what God tells Joshua. If you will meditate day and night, you will be prosperous and you will have good success. One of my favorite Psalms is Psalm 1. And it mirrors Joshua 1 verse 7. It says, blessed is the man that does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. Verse 2, but his delight, her delight, man or woman, is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates how often? Day and night, morning and evening, afternoon and before bed. This person is like a tree planted next to streams of water, which, which yields its fruit in season, and, and its leaf does not wither, and whatsoever he or she does, uh-oh, he prospers, she prospers. Same exact idea as Joshua 1, verse 8. Now, when I hear truth like that, mirrored, especially when I hear it once or twice or three times in the Bible, I, I take notice, like, okay, God, what are you, what are you saying? What is that? What does that mean? How does it work? Like it's one thing to hear God say, meditate on my word day and night and it's gonna lead to an upgrade, but how does that actually work? I need to know. How about you? Here's how it works. The reason it works that way is because the quality of your life, the quality of my life is really determined by the quality of our thoughts. What's going on inside of our minds? There's a guy named Marcus Aurelius. He was a probably the most famous Roman emperor. He also became a Stoic philosopher, and he wrote a book called Meditations, which is pretty fascinating. It was never meant to be published. It was his personal journal. And he said this, a man's life is what his thoughts make it. You and I create the quality of our life with our mind. James Allen is an author who wrote in the late 1800s, early 1900s. This little book was published in 1903. He's known uh, not by many, but to, to be the father of the modern-day personal development industry, you know, where, where Tony Robbins came out of and Jim's Rohn and Zig Ziglar and all those guys. This is his, famous, his most famous book, As a Man Thinketh. This is what James Allen said. You are today where your thoughts have brought you, and you'll be tomorrow where your thoughts take you. The quality of our life is determined by the quality of our thoughts. Some of you might push back and say, well, wait a second. I thought the quality of our life is determined by the quality of our actions or, or what type of actions we take. True, very, very true. We have to take action in order to change our life, but what precedes action? Isn't it a thought? I mean, some of you are business owners. Wasn't it the thought that I can never work for another person again, I will not have a boss? Wasn't it that thought, that frustration of having someone over you telling you what to do, how much you can make, how many hours you have to work, that caused you to say, I'm going to start my own business? And you did it. You took action. You changed your life. But at first, first came the thought. Wasn't it the thought for some of you who are divorced, about half of us are divorced? Wasn't it the thought of, I cannot live with him one more day? I cannot live with her anymore. Wasn't it that thought and the emotions that follow that caused you to file for divorce? And so we take action and actions change our lives, but what comes before action are thought processes in our mind. Many of you are Christ followers. You're watching today. You're here. You've put your faith in Christ. Wasn't it the thought that God loves you and Christ died for you on the cross and he came back to life three days later so that you can be reconciled to the Father and not pay for your own sins? Wasn't it that thought that caused you to reach out to him in faith? Yes or no? We first hear things. We first have ideas and thoughts, and then we act or take action. Our lives are shaped by our minds. Now, 
I, I know there's more objections to this. I know some people, you're probably thinking, wait, wait a second. The quality of my life is not determined by the quality of my thoughts. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you why my life is what it is today. It's because of what's happened to me. It's because of my circumstances. It's because my parents got divorced and my father was an alcoholic and he abused me when I was little. It's because my boss keeps overlooking me for a raise. I don't make that much money. I didn't go to college. I'm not tall enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. And we, we tend to blame our circumstances for the quality of our life. Anybody? but it's not true. It feels right. And you might even have a case and you might even get a crowd of people to listen to you and go, oh, that's so sad. You're right. Your father died from cancer and your mother this and, and your dad left and, and everybody's got a story. But here's, here's why we can't do that. And here's why it's not true that our circumstances determine the quality of our life. Because there are people out there that have it worse off than you. They have gone through Worse things than you, and they have learned to thrive. How? How is their life soaring? And their story is worse than yours. The mental game. See, it's not the circumstances that determine the quality of our life. It's how we think about the circumstances that determines the quality of our life. Hey, that's some good preaching right there, do you think? Amen? It's not popular. It's not popular. And it teaches personal responsibility. Oh, so it's up to me. It's up to my thought. Yeah. But man, that will change your life. It's a mental game. The battlefield is won or lost right between our ears. But still, that doesn't really answer the question of how it works. It's one thing to say, you know, the quality of your life is determined by the quality of your thoughts. Okay, that's, that's good. But, but how? Let's get into it. You want to dive into it? Follow me real quick. We first think, then we feel Emotions are powerful. We are emotional creatures, and then we take action. We think, we feel, and we act. That's how God made us. Now, sometimes we feel we think and we act, but even if we feel we think and we act, even if it's reversed, the actions always come last. Now, I think that feelings come before thoughts on rare occasions, like, you know, when you're sitting down and you're on a 21-day fast and your stomach growls and you all of a sudden think of pizza, okay? Feelings, thoughts, okay? Most of the time, it's thoughts and feelings. Now, follow me here because this is a little bit cumbersome and it's a little bit difficult. How does this work? How do our thoughts shape the quality of our life? Well, here's how it works. When we think a thought, it puts options before what we would call our will. Now, our will is the center of our soul. It's the place where we take our actions. We do this or we do that. Or we don't do this or we don't do that. Or we say this or we don't say this. We write an email, we don't write an email. We go to get lunch, we don't go to get lunch. Whatever we do. That's our will. Now, our will can only act from options. And it's the mind that puts the options before the will. Dallas Willard, in his book, The Renovation of the Heart, which is such a fantastic book on spiritual growth. If you want to put on the character of Christ and become like Christ, absolutely essential reading. He talks about it like this. He says, in the same way that our senses, our eyes and our ears, in our same way that our physical senses tell us what the landscape is, you know, what we see, if there's a road in front of us, if there's a hallway in front of us, so then we can, we can navigate properly. Our senses help us to navigate the landscape. In the same way that our senses help us navigate the landscape, our thoughts present before us sort of a lifescape. In the book, he says it like this. Within this thought lifescape, we make decisions that determine what we will do and who we, who we will become. Let me give you an example. I promise you, 
that there's a 99% chance that Danny Anderson will never rob a bank. <laughs> Danny and Jackie, you know. Maybe, maybe, maybe Andrew and Bo and Ruby are behind us, and we're all got masks on, and we're going to go into Fifth Third. Put them up. Empty the vaults. You know? And we walk away with a million dollars or whatever. Never going to happen. Others might rob banks, not me. Why? Because I never think about robbing a bank. And if I never think about it, I'm never going to do it. Isn't this why we say to our kids, those of us parents and some grandparents who still have your wits about you? <laughs> you guys are, you, anyway, it's another sermon for another day. My mom and dad were just in town, but whatever. Um, <laughs> isn't this why we look at our kids and we say, don't you even think about it? Because we can see it. We can see it happening right before our eyes. We, we know they're about to do something and, the, and, it's, and it's in their minds. We first think and then we act. And, 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 and we're like, no, don't you even think about it. Because that's how God has made us. That day in the car when that girl pulled up next to me on 135 and she gave me the number one sign. You know, I wanted to pull up there and I wanted to hit that. I wanted to put my car in park and get out and take her finger and shove it up her nose. <laughs> Man, I was hot. Maybe bend it back a little bit. You know, spread up your nose. I promise you, as God is my witness, the only thing that stopped me from rolling that window down was the thought that I'm probably her pastor. That thought triggered a different emotion which triggered a different action. It's the way God has made us. You know who's figured this out more than the church? Unfortunately, the church is lagging on this issue of how people actually change and the power of the thought mind. Businesses in America. Next year, actually this year, businesses in America will spend $656 billion on advertising. Coca-Cola, just Coca-Cola, $5.8 billion dollars. And we say, well, advertising doesn't affect me. Are you serious? Why would, why would companies spend that much money to put ideas in your head, images, messages, you deserve this, you look better in this, the girls will like you if you have this, you know, look at all, you'll get so much respect if you buy this, whatever they say. It's all lies, all lies, every last one. The reason that they would spend that kind of money is because it works. We think, we feel, and we go and we charge or we buy. This is why God tells us in the scripture through Solomon, one of the wisest people to ever walk this planet, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, guard your heart. Now, when the Bible says heart, it's a synonym for mind and soul and all three pieces working together, will, emotions, thoughts. Guard it. Guard your inner being above all else. Why? For it determines the course of your life. Where's your life headed? I don't know. Tell me what your thoughts are. 
You know, am I going to be able to reach my goals? I'm not sure. Tell me what's inside your brain. Tell me what's between your ears. Whatever's going on inside of you will determine the course of your life. Everything you do and everything I do comes from our inner being. Guard it. Protect it. Make sure the right messages are getting in it. God would say to you today, meditate on the word of God day and night. It will lead you to your upgrade. Some of you know who George Clooney is. Many of you do. Here's a picture of him if you don't know who he is. Handsome fella that he is. Early on in his career, he was in Hollywood and he was going to audition after audition after audition. He was getting turned down. No, 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 no. He got so upset. Man, he, he, he was hurt. He started to blame the, the, the people doing the auditions. He started to blame the system. Remember how it's easy to always blame the system. Oh, it's the system. It's the Democrats. It's the Republicans. It's the weather. It's the economy. We, it's so easy to blame the circumstances. And he was getting deeper and deeper into his discouragement until one day he thought about maybe coming at things from a different perspective. In The Obstacle of the, is the Way, fantastic book if you love to read and, and, and this, this whole book is about proper perspective and thinking right by Ryan Holiday. He tells the story about Clooney. And he says, Clooney decided to change his perspective. He said, what if, what if I decided to think about it this way when I go into these auditions, that, that these guys are actually looking for someone to fill a role in their film. I'm not looking for a job. Like, I'm a solution to their problem. I'm an answer to their prayers. And he started to think about the whole situation differently. And he started to portray this, this, different, this different aura in, in his auditions. Not necessarily uh, his skills didn't really change, but he was projecting something different to them. And he started to get one job after another job and the rest is history. In the book, Holiday says this about the story. Where the head goes, the body follows. Perception precedes action. Right action follows right perception or right thinking. Is this making sense to you guys? If we want to upgrade our lives, we first have to up upgrade our thoughts and we must think better. Now, I know when I tell people this, I often get this pushback because I'll, I'll be with somebody and I'll be telling them how they need to change the way they think about stuff. And they say, man, I can't control my thoughts. They just are what they are. I assure you that you can. In your notes, you can choose your thoughts. God has given you the power to take every thought captive and bring it into obedience to Jesus Christ. He would not have told us in Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, to set our minds on things above, not on things on earth. How could God tell us to focus our mind on heavenly things and not earthly things if it were not possible? In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul tells us this. Don't go along with the pattern of this world. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. Instead, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. How, why would he tell us to be transformed by renewing our thoughts if it weren't possible? It is possible. You can choose your thoughts. It's like working out a muscle. Some of your muscles are, are, are not very strong right now, but if you work them out every day through meditation, you will bring your thoughts in a, into alignment with God's will. And then Paul takes it a step further in a letter to Philippians, chapter four, verse eight. He says these, this, these words, one last thought, brothers and sisters, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about what is ever is excellent or worthy of praise. Fix your mind on good things. He gives us a grid. If, if, if your thoughts aren't true and worthy and, and honorable and, and pure and lovely, get it out of your brain. Because your, your mind is presenting options before your will. You want to upgrade your life, take control of your thoughts. Let me ask you a question today. 
what thoughts do you need to upgrade? Zig Ziglar called it stinking thinking. Where is your thinking stinking? <laughs> I mean, seriously. It's, you know, I'm all alone in this life. No, you're not. Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I can't do this. No. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I mean, where, where is your thinking off? Because your thinking is producing the quality of your life. Let me give you an example in your notes. I give you a little T-bar there to kind of work this out, on home, give you some homework, work it out with your small group, do, a, do so, sort of a thought audit. A popular thought today is that life is not fair. Man, you know, I don't have a body like hers, and I didn't have a family like his, and I didn't have opportunities like she did. Man, life's not fair. And I didn't marry somebody who has money like she did or whatever, you know. My parents, you know, got divorced. Or, life's not fair. I've got this terrible boss. It doesn't, job, this job, it doesn't pay well. I mean, life, life isn't fair. You look at other people, and you go, man, life isn't fair. You need to upgrade that thought to this. Life isn't fair. But God has the last word. Because it's true, life isn't fair. You turn the news on, I mean, you just got to look at it. Just look around, man. Innocent people die, crazy stuff happens, accidents. Life is not fair. That is true. However, God has the last word. And that last idea, that brings hope back to the situation that this life is not all there is. There's a next life coming after this. See, this is working on your mental game. Working on your mental game. I love what Tommy Newberry said in his book, four, The 4-8 Principle. This is a fan. He wrote a whole book on Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. This is what Tommy Newberry said. By deliberately working to improve your mental game, you will steadily upgrade every area of your life. He even used the word upgrade. How fantastic is that? You got to do the work. What about, this, what about this thought right here? Oh, I'm just going to fail at that. I'm just going to fail. I'm going to mess it up. How many struggle with that? I'm a, I, I, just, I just mess everything. I'm a failure. You need to upgrade that thought to this right here. Failure is necessary for success. I love that. I grew up in a family that, that watched Rocky. Rocky 1, 2, 3, Rocky 4. I don't know what happened to Rocky 5 or 6. <laughs> but, man, after the Russian, it was all over after that in Rocky 4. Man, I loved watching Rocky because it was, it was a guy who was failing and failing and failing. And then he'd have a little success and then he'd fail and fail and then he'd beat Apollo and then he would fail and then he'd beat Mr. T and then he would fail and fail and then he would beat the Russian. I mean, you can't get better movies than this for children. This is absolutely essential to their development. Show your children Rocky. They need to understand that, that failure is part of success and it's good and it's okay and they're going to fail. This is working on the mental game. Is this making sense, yes, yes or no? Man, I want you to have an upgrade. I want your life to go to the next level. I want my life to go to the next level. I want my marriage to get better. I want my relationship with God to get better. I want my parenting skills to get better. I want all of it to get better. But it starts right here. Every upgrade in your life and my life begins with an upgrade between our ears. My challenge to you is to meditate, to, to get something in your mind and hang over it and growl over it and take it in and mull it over it and take it in and ingest it until it becomes a new way to think. Now, a couple of years ago, it was actually many years ago, <clears throat> I had some new thoughts come into my mind 
that I hadn't heard before. I was a teenager and uh, my thought process was if there is a God, he probably won't love me because I'm, I'm just not a good kid. And I wasn't. And my mom would tell me about God and, you know, but kids don't listen to their moms. I mean, I mean some do. <laughs> I didn't. But for whatever reason, I ended up going to church and I heard from the preacher and the preacher said, you know what, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter how much you've sinned, no matter how bad you think you are, there's a God who loves you. And he's willing to forgive you. In fact, he proved it by sending his son, his very own son, his one and only son to this earth to die on a cross for your sin. And I'm sitting there listening to it like, no, God, there's no, if there is a God, there's no way that he would love someone like me. I'm selfish, I'm prideful, I, I, I'm mean, I say terrible things, I treat people wrong, and I just want, there's no way, I, I'm not lovable. But I'm sitting there that day in church and I'm hearing this preacher talk about how God proved his love for us by having Jesus die for those sins and rise again. Again, what is that? That is an idea or a series of ideas that come into our mind. And I heard those ideas that day and I felt God saying, I'm speaking to you, I'm speaking to you. It's true, I love you. It's true, I died for you. And it wasn't long after that, that as a 17 year old kid, I decided to respond to those ideas and reach out in faith to God and receive Christ as my savior. And maybe that's you today. Maybe you need to hear these ideas. God loves you. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, how much you've sinned or how much guilt you have, or maybe you, you were like me, you thought, man, there's no God that would love, if there is a God, he would not love someone like me. Maybe that's where you're at. And I'm here to tell you today, he's exact, you're exactly the person that he loves. He sent Christ to die for you, to pay for those sins, to wash you and make you clean, just like he did me and many, many others. Maybe today you reach out to him in faith and you say, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. Cleanse me, wash me, make me your child. That is the ultimate upgrade. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 17 says it like this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. You talk about an upgrade. If you'd like to do that right now, if you'd like to upgrade your life and put your faith in Christ, I'm gonna say a simple prayer. Take these words and make them your own. Make this moment your moment of spiritual upgrade. Will you pray with me? Dear Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me because you love me. I believe you paid for my sin. to remove the guilt, the shame, the penalty of sin. And right now, I ask you to cleanse me, wash me, and make me your child. I put my trust in you and what you did for me on the cross. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. And from this day forward, teach me to love you, to honor you, and to obey you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. And can we give God glory? Come on, nice and loud, amen. If you trusted Christ, here's what I'd like you to do really quick. 
We'd like you to grab your phone real quick and text the word SAVE to 65248. We just want to get behind you and support you and uh, let you know how you can thrive in your new walk with Christ. So text the word SAVE to 65248. And after you do that, we would love to invite you to go back, whatever, whatever location you're at, in the back of the auditorium and grab one of these boxes that says SAVED on it. Inside, there's a gift from us to you, a cup. There's a Bible with a reading plan for you to get you started on your new journey with Christ. So grab those on the way out. Can we give God glory one more time, guys? Amen.